Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am Black Cinephile, a.k.a. Ant. I am Brad. Still a.k.a. Brad. Still a.k.a. Brad. And uh, before we start, folks, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You know, uh, gently gently push the like button. You don't have to smash it. It didn't do anything wrong to anybody. I want you to break your computer hitting that like button. And then send the bill to uh, Black Cinephile over here. See that this is why Brad is Brad. He's, he, he just has to make everything difficult. He wears the same shirt, calls himself Brad, aka Brad. He, he just he's just Brad. No, we're recording this on a different day. I'm actually wearing a different shirt this time. Oh, okay, if you say so. <laughs> uh, but uh, we uh, we're an animated bunch, and uh, speaking of animated, today we got the uh, the Bob's Burgers movie versus the Mitchells and the Machines. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Versus the Bob's Burgers movie, huh? <laughs> yep. I think we talked about the Mitchells once before, didn't we? Um, I mentioned it back when we were talking about our top movies from 2021, because this one made my list. Um, mm. But I don't know. I think today we should probably talk about Mitchells versus the Machines versus uh, Ron's Gone Wrong. Oh, wow. I'm on the wrong episode. My bad. (laughs) I mean, we could always do a Simpsons movie versus Ron Goes Wrong later if you want. You know, we probably probably could. It probably would be a great mix up. (laughs) All right. Ron's gone wrong. No problem. Nah, man. I just, I'm, I'm still, I'm still reeling from Bob's Burgers a little bit. So that's why I thought we were doing Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Did did you uh, start watching the show at all or? No, not yet. Not okay. yet. But um, I may watch it soon. It's a good kind of sit down, just watch it, or even like a background kind of show. Uh, just chill. Yeah, just it's chill. a very relaxed show. It's It's got that same like family sitcom kind of vibe where if you miss an episode, you're not missing anything. You could jump in any season, any episode. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I hear. Like, I, I hear, you know, there's a reason it's in syndication. You can really watch any episode. Yeah. It's not, like, highly serialized. I mean, yeah, that's what I hear. I may get into it one day. I mean, the the, the movie more or less did sell me. So, uh, we'll see. Okay. Um, look, man, uh, I know we usually don't go chronological around here, but uh, do you think we should do it on this one? Um. You know what? I th- was thinking about that earlier, and I think it just kind of makes sense for us to do chronological in this one. Makes sense. All right. So, which one are we rolling with first? So, first off, that gives us the Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, I'll take the reins on this one. Okay. So, taking place in uh, Kentwood, Michigan, home, you know. Michigan, of course, being uh, where we're both from, so we we got some roots in this one to start off with. But taking place in Kentwood, Michigan, we are introduced to the Mitchell family, uh, consisting of Katie Mitchell, who is our main antagonist, along with uh, Rick Mitchell, Linda Mitchell, and Aaron Mitchell. Uh, Rick Mitchell being her father, Linda being her mother, and Aaron being her brother, younger brother. Mm -hmm. So... 
Uh, Katie is an aspiring filmmaker who is about to go off to college, leaving the house and everything like that. Of course, she has a very loving family who cares about her and everything. The father is worried that with her moving away to college to become a filmmaker, it's going to put more of a strain on their relationship as they've kind of grown apart as he's very hands-on, naturist and everything, and she's living in a new digital age. So in they order, They couldn't be any different. Right. They grew up in different ages. He doesn't know how to relate to her. She doesn't know how to relate to him. So they've kind of separated there, but they're still a loving family. But to try and rekindle it before she goes on to go through college and everything, he decides to make it a road trip to drop her off at college instead of her just taking a plane ride there. Uh, On this road trip, though, a tech company, basically the apple of this universe... Uh, named Pal, creates a new AI robot helper to do everything for you, which, of course, begins to turn evil and starts to ravage the world, collecting all humans to send them into space because they fear feel like humans have no redeeming qualities. That is yep. the synopsis of this movie. Pretty much. Hey, you want to hear something random? And I'm And I'm thinking we should almost call this episode this. Um, I know it would mess up the algorithm because nobody will know what we're talking about. But did you notice Olivia Coleman is in both is in both of these films? Is she really? Yes, Olivia Coleman, uh, Academy Award winner. She did win an Academy Award, right? Um, yeah, for the favorite, I forgot. Yeah, she plays the evil phone in Mitchell's versus the Machines, and she plays the 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 wacko grandmother in Ron's Gone Wrong. Oh yeah, I didn't I realize that. I'm going to throw you a pitch. Let me know what you think. Olivia Coleman animation battle for the subtitle of this episode. Okay. I can get behind it. Okay. I mean, right. it wouldn't I be I... the most obscure subtitle we've thrown on an episode. <laughs> I thought I was going to hear some pushback, but hey, let's do it. I'm no all regrets. for it. I'm already uploading the title right now, by the way. <laughs> so it's no going back You're, you're penning it into uh, the system. It's into YT. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, straight off the top, I love this movie. It's just, it's, 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 it's just a great family film. I think, I think I told you that last time we talked, but, um, I like how the main characters are so imperfect. You know, usually the protagonist does have some type of flaw, but these people's, their flaw is that they really are like weird and imperfect. Like they're really not the perfect family, but that gives They're the neighbors that you know of, but you don't talk to. (laughs) basically you just just go about your way don't say nothing to them just kind of wave and get walking (laughs) like when you see them outside you start walking a little bit faster (laughs) and from a storytelling aspect that makes them the perfect people to go against something this uh dominating evil because it's like Mm -hmm. how are they gonna save the day and i love how the film just pulls that off pulls that 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 uh, that hat trick off yeah, I love how this movie even flips some of like the uh, kind of TV tropes that these kind of movies have, where it's like, how are we going to defeat it using the power of love and friendship? And it, the computer even goes, don't you dare say that humans are worth redeeming because of some love or some stupid thing like that. Right. And, and the, guy, the guy kicks him in the crouch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love scene it's so great right before it's like hold on let me treat you like you've been because this is coming from a cell phone 
It's like, right. let me treat you the way you've been treating me. Poke, poke, swipe, swipe, swipe. Zoom in, zoom out, zoom in. If you think about the way you treat your cell phone every day, you're like, yeah, yeah, I do yeah, treat it like that. <laughs> it's it's accurate. I um, throw it around. Yeah. I even love one of Katie's lines when uh, she realizes they're going up against like an evil AI cell phone is I've broken eight phones in my lifetime already, but you're going to be the first one I break on purpose. (laughs) I just love how the simplest thing happens to end all the madness. They throw her in a glass of water. Yes. (laughs) I just love how how simple it is. Like, wow, this movie would have been over way earlier if that just happened way before yeah it's there's this huge climactic battle and the way that they end up defeating it is she falls into a glass of water next to a swimming pool (laughs) yeah this movie is i gotta say the humor is on point 100 they use the animation style to its benefit they use the fact that uh they have the main character as a filmmaker who does all these quirky little youtube videos with you know bad green screen cardboard cutout like backgrounds and stuff like that and they use that to full effect within the entire movie to kind of do these splash pages to kind of exemplify from her mindset how everything's going and the jokes, especially with the pug, are absolutely brilliant. I I loved every moment. Like I said prior in our uh, 2021 best of podcast, uh, the pug is definitely the one of the better parts of this, who is actually voiced by Doug the Pug. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Dude, I don't know why I'm so pissed about that. Like, a dog got an actual speaking role, man. <laughs> I don't know why I'm pissed. I mean, I'm like, it's not a speaking what? role per se. It is the though, <laughs> and you know the, the looking at the tongue. You know he's he's making dogs. He he has dog speaking roles, and I'm like, dog, really? How much do his owners get paid for that? <laughs> how much did they get paid? I you don't know how much they got paid for this movie. You know what? And I want to know now. I want to know what? if Doug the pug made more than Alan Tudyk in making animals noises. <laughs> Alan Tudyk. Uh, he did the, the rooster in uh, Moana. Oh, really? I'm pretty I sure. Um. Uh. Yeah, I want to know that too. Cause it. Well, hey, you know what they'll say? Well, you know, he actually is a dog, so deserves a more fair <laughs> wage. Deserves a more fair wage. <laughs> Dogs have rights too, you know. <laughs> right. They they fit into the diversity Hollywood initiative. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, there 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 we go. I want to know who made more on this movie: Doug the Pug or Conan O'Brien? <laughs> Conan O'Brien was uh, he voiced the, the uh, pilot, um, the robot pilot that was like telling them In about the video. Yeah, well, that was a small role compared to uh, the pug being throughout. The I know, movie. but it's still Conan O'Brien. <laughs> so who did they pay more for? Conan's a good guy. He probably just did out the kindness of his heart. You know, he probably loves animation. He's yeah, a Simpsons. He's a Simpsons writer. That's true. You know, uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, man, I love all the characters, dude. I love the voices. I feel like everyone does their um role well. The mother is like just a great uh, kooky mom. The father is just a great like 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 woodsman that just hates technology. I love how. I just love all the cutaways with him. Um, trying to figure out how to do Amazon. He's like, 
whoa, what happened? What's going on? Oh, yeah. I don't know what's going on. And then she says, just hit delete, hit delete. I just ordered uh, 13 sandals. What's going on? No, I just ordered 12 Swiffers on Amazon. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Yeah, man, I I love the, the, I still have a problem with the son's voice. Like, it's like, I like the son as a character, but I feel like, who's my man? Mike Rianda, who I think wrote and directed this. Yeah, he was the writer and director of the movie. I don't think he voiced the son well. It, it made it seem like a like a like a grown man. Like like I, I can take Abby Jacobson as Katie because mm-hmm. it made her, she kind of sounds like a teenager a little bit. Aaron sounded like Mike. I don't know how Mike is in real life, but he sounded like like a grown man. Yeah, I can kind of agree with you there. But at the same time, Katie's also I think eighteen in this movie. Because uh, she's going off to college. So she kind of already would sound kind of closer to she's, adult. She's fine. It was just Aaron that sounded off to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this movie is great. I even like the villain, how it's a cell phone is the villain of this movie. Just kind of getting rid of all humanity. There's There's so many jokes they can make with that, and they pull them all out and it's glorious because you would think at a point this would get too kind of meta in its humor and everything but it didn't feel like it got old at all it plays it just right yeah it it, it really plays it just right um i gotta say i didn't recognize eric andre's voice with uh uh dr mark bowman the lead tech yeah i didn't notice him at first and i was like when I thought back and I was like, you know what, that that kind of does sound like Eric a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to recognize his voice when he's not screaming bird up or legalize ranch. <laughs> yeah, when he's not being a madman, so to speak. Right. I, I, I like I look at it as every animated or straight role he takes. He looks for that one moment in the script where the guy goes crazy. And he goes, OK, here's my moment to shine. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll play it straight until this point, And then, ah! you know, like, like he, he turns into regular Eric Andre. Yeah, the the entire voice cast of this one knocked it out of the park. You had uh, Fred Armiston, Beck Bennett, you know, playing some of the robots as well, um, which I love the defective robots. Yeah, I didn't know Beck at first. Uh, I know he's, I see he was on SNL. I didn't know him when I watched this movie. I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the funny moment with the robots. I love this funny random moment. When um after every after the day is saved and everybody's got together, you know, the robots asked them like, hey, why did you save us? Like, you know, she was like, oh, you know, I just saved it because it was the right thing to do. And then better that than avoid death. And one of the robots goes, what's death? Yeah. And you hear like this weird sound in the music score. She goes, I will t- just talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was just such a weird moment. Yeah. I love how even at the end uh, when they just. Dis- feet all the robots and stuff those two survive and they're like how did you guys survive shouldn't you be like decommissioned now and they're like our defects saved us <laughs> right right um i was about to say something i forgot uh it was something that happened towards the end that i wanted to comment on it'll come back to me so uh so what's your main pull from this movie like what do you what, what do you like so much about um about the storyline so i, I For this one, first off, it's relatable characters put into a crazy scenario. Mm -hmm. I I always love it when you can actually like understand the perspective of every character in a movie 
And this one, each character feels real. They they have their flaws. They have their characteristics. And it's easy to tell exactly what each one is going to do in a situation. And they do exactly that. It's movie isn't trying to subvert your expectations. It's not trying to be like, oh, look, these people can be completely different. Because even when they're trying to get out of their, you know, safe zone, I want to kind of say, uh, they have trouble with it. You know, you have Katie showing trouble trying to relate with her father, even though she kind of wants to. She doesn't know how at the same time. She's a teenager. Then you have uh, Rick, who's trying to like what Katie likes, but he still doesn't understand it. You know, he thinks that it's not pointless, but he's afraid that she's going to get hurt in the process of pursuing this dream because he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know anything about it. It's out of his realm. So he wants to take the more protective route than go, you know, head first into this world that makes no sense to him. Uh, then you just have Aaron who just loves dinosaurs and it's like, yeah, that's, that's the kid thing. That's <laughs> there. There's nothing strange about his, you know, fascination with it. Yeah. yeah he just straight up loves dinosaurs. And I love how when he goes up to the man that works at the store off screen, he's like, excuse me, excuse me, this place is not accurate. And I love how the father laughs like, wow, that guy's going to have a ball hearing about Jurassic. Uh, oh, the Jurassic species, era. <laughs> Jurassic era and all that. <laughs> um, dude, I love the furry scene. Oh, yeah. The Furbies were fantastic. The fur- Furbies. I said furries. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Furbies. a different movie entirely that you're talking about. We're talking about the Mitchells versus the Machines still. <laughs> I know, I know. I just got the names mixed up. But yeah, the, the, fur- <laughs> the Furby scene was pretty great. Yeah, I love that they actually brought the Furbies back for this movie because it, even when uh, Aaron goes, what are those? And you can see just the terror on the parents' eyes because <laughs> they remember mm-hmm. those. It, it's wonderful how they made Furbies terrifying <laughs> yeah because my thing was i was expecting them to turn to full gremlins like somebody mm-hmm. would spill some water on them and then all of a sudden uh-oh but uh they just kept them as furbies but i i thought that was pretty funny yeah i love that they still use the same like furby speak for their language and they just did subtitles on the bottom to show what they were saying and it was all like, you know, we must awaken the chosen one. You know, you will uh, repent for your sin. You know, like all this crazy stuff. That had me rolling, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that part had me rolling. Like you did, the big Furby, the big uh, Furby came out <laughs> doing the, the, the slow steps. That was hilarious to me. Oh, even like right before that, when they're in like the PAL store and stuff and like just outside the store, there's a toaster and they just walk up to it, and then it sprouts one piece of toast that just says, you're toast, and the father's like, oh, yeah, I, it, that's cute. That's a good joke right there. <laughs> I like I like the Roombas that chase after the sun. Oh, yeah. Then they fall down the stairs like, this is embarrassing. Ouch, ouch, yeah. ouch. That's hilarious. Um... I mean, I'm pretty much sold on. I'm pretty much sold on what I gotta say about this one. Uh, would you, you got anything else to add? Um, I'm trying to think, but it's this is just one of those movies that I I can't think of any grievances with it. So all I can do is just praise this movie on like every regard because the animation style I absolutely love, where it has that it's 3D animation. 
but it looks hand drawn. It's almost taking the same animation style that they use for uh, Into the Spider Verse and kind of rolling with that, but with a little bit lighter on the comic book kind of feel to it. And the humor is on point. The writing is good. The characters are good. It. I. I love this movie. <laughs> the best i want to say one thing before we rate this the best thing uh i liked was the uh the contrast between the two families so there's the the perfect family played by john legend and chrissy Teigen, which i didn't know until today the posies mm-hmm. um when they uh when they escape from the dinosaur place they go uh uh posies unite on one and then they do it like so synchronized and coordinated and they get into the car so smoothly and drive off and then the mitchells are like Okay, Mitchell, uh, Mitch, I'm, I'm sorry, you go? No, you go. Uh, Mitchells, I, I love you. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then they do it just so poorly. Yeah, they <laughs> try and copy wife's... them. Right. He gets on his wife's back and she falls like, no, no, no. <laughs> He's so heavy. That made me roll, man. I would have loved this movie in theaters. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm almost sad that this one didn't come to theaters because this was a Netflix movie. So right. anybody that hasn't seen this movie... It's on Netflix right now. Go see it. Um, it's well worth the time, especially if you have a family. It's a very family-friendly movie. You know what? I don't know what it was, man. Something just told me to click on this movie. I know my wife and I, we we, we set up a date night, and I was like, uh, well, I know she likes cartoons, and I know Brad told me about this movie. So one day we just put it on, and I was like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, so this gave me a good excuse to watch this again, and I, I had a great time. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, I give it a 4.5, man. Uh, this one's a 5 out of 5 for me. I, I, I literally mm. can't think of a single grievance with this movie. It's Aaron's voice, man. I can't I can't do Aaron's voice, dude. I just can't do it. Okay. Yeah, that was a, that was a slight grievance. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to give it cool points because it's in Michigan. But 4.5 for me. Oh, see, I didn't even calculate cool points into this. Uh, this is a 5.2 out of 5. Okay. <laughs> see, we're, see, we're up up in the ante, huh? See what I mean, folks? He just likes to do his own thing. Yeah. I thought I was in the wrong for saying Bob's Burgers in the beginning, but this guy, he just goes <laughs> he just goes with an extra point two. Well, it's in Michigan. You got to give it two points for Michigan. Come on, man. Who do you think you are? <laughs> got to play to the crowd, man. Right. All right, man. Ready to move on? Yes. All right. For our next uh, Olivia Coleman animated uh, twofer, we got Ron's Gone Wrong. And uh, this is a 20th Century Fox Disney um, animated film. Uh, pretty much. Dude, I love how I love how synchronized this was. Did you, did you plan this? Because these are kind of like the same movies in a way. Did so... You know this was the first time that I've seen Ron Goes Wrong, but same. I knew that it kind of had the same um, don't take don't take technology for granted or don't let technology kind of overrule your life kind of message for kids. Right. Which honestly, it's not that hard to find a movie that has that same message, especially family friendly movies. Like mm. almost, I, I don't want to like throw ballpark numbers out there, but enough of them have come out that this is a trope of a movie style now of the don't let technology run your life kind of thing. Mm. I know because I initially thought we were going to do big hero six versus Ron goes wrong. Cause I, um, I hadn't seen either of them, but I know they both deal with somebody that has like a, 
a robotic pet or a robotic companion. Mm-hmm. But um, when you did Mitchells versus the Machines, I said, oh, that's different. But then I watched both of them. I said, oh, wow, this this does connect better. Um, so basically what this deals with is um, deals with a, um, a young boy whose name is um, Barney. Uh, he lives in a uh, t- he goes to he goes to a middle school. And around this time, there's this uh, creation by this uh, tech company called Bubble, which is like the Apple in this in this movie. They create this thing called the Bebot, who is like a robot buddy for every kid who um, helps the kid find friends, you know, become more engaging on social media. You know, um, it can do anything they want. It's like it's like it's like carrying around your own streaming device. It's like carrying around your cell phone, but it can do more things. It can help. It can play games for you. It can like uh get your Instagram uh, live video started. It's basically everything you have wanted. It's a skateboard too. Um, it's just a great, it's just a great friend. Mm-hmm. So Barney, he lives, uh, he lives on a farm with his grandma and his dad. Um, his mom is deceased. And, uh, you know, Barney is a little poor and Barney has no friends. And, you know, Barney is, um, he's kind of all alone. And, you know, he sees everybody at school with a B-Bot except him. He's the only one on a shelf that doesn't even have a name place right there. Yeah. He had, to write, he had to write his own name and put it there. So one day on his birthday, when he realized when his dad, real, his dad and grandma realized that nobody came to his birthday because uh, the last one a few years ago didn't go so well. Uh, uh, th- basically, they caught the kitchen on fire after doing like pin the tail on the goat and, you know, had sausages in the pia- uh, pinata. Uh, right. Overall, it was not a birthday party. <laughs> you... It it was embarrassing. Right? Yeah. It was embarrassing. So finally, his dad says, "Okay, I'm gonna get him one of those Bebot things." Uh, he goes to the store and they can't get a new one because it's like a three month wait. So he sees a defective one get dropped off, and uh, he surprises his son with that. And long story short, the Bebot is defective. So the Bebot isn't as a uh, high tech as anyone else's. He's pretty much a naked bebot with no settings. Um, and I like how the I like how the movie winks to it in the beginning when he like falls because like I love how this film plays with destiny. Um, in that one moment where Barney causes the bebot to fall on the ground when the, mm-hmm. when the delivery truck is coming, and it just so happens that that becomes his bebot later in the film. But anyway, the bebot is just defective, and um, the bebot's name is. It's Ron, but it's like Ron with a bunch of numbers and letters after it, too. Yeah. That's like his serial number, right? Uh, basically, it was Ron B something or another. A bunch of random characters. You want me to read the whole thing out for you? Oh, do you have it in front of you? Ron B1NT5CAT5CO. So we just going to call him Ron from now on. But uh, Is that Ron that- Tabasco? <laughs> Ronnie Takatsko. Takatsko, okay. I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, his name is Ron. So anyway, uh, Barney tries to figure out what he can do with Ron, try to see if he can return him. But he learns that even though Ron is defective, Ron still has a soul and can become probably one of the best friends Barney ever had in life uh, through his through his malfunctioning um, th- through his malfunction, because Barney himself is socially awkward, so he kind of has a social malfunction, and Ron has a social malfunction. I love how that friendship starts, but long story short, Ron gets into some misadventures that cause his company um, that created him, Bubble, to try to track him down and uh, 
basically Barney just tries to keep him safe. And that's the bare bones plot, man. Dude, I got to let you know something, man. I uh, This movie really hit me in the feels. Oh, yeah. I, I this really this like one this has movie. some tearjerker moments. Uh, yeah. it, it has some pretty cheap ones, but it, it has some tearjerker moments. I, I would never expect a Disney movie to hit me like this. Like, I know Pixar. Pixar is a different type of level. But a mm. Disney movie, it's been a while since a Disney movie uh, got me to got me to this point where, um, you know, there was a few moments where I was chopping some onions, man. And uh, <laughs> it, it got me, man, especially in the end. It really got me because you you kind of hope in middle school that you had a, a Ron. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Someone who's annoying, but is the most loyal friend you could ever have. You know, he, he, he may be different to others, but you're different. And that makes you two of the best of friends, man. Like, uh, yeah, man, this movie is great, dude. Um, so where we want to start here? So, I, uh, go ahead. Let's start off near the beginning of this one. First off, we have uh, Barney's family because he has his father, uh, voiced by Ed Helms, and then the grandmother, uh, voiced by the focus of the podcast, Olivia Coleman. All right, a movie, right? So. first off the family is great i love how you know his grandmother is like this russian born woman that you know is set in her ways of russia and you know has this funky music she listens to she does her home cookings you know chicken feet and stuff like that things that most kids are like oh that's weird but uh to her it's normal and as to Barney, it's normal, but to other kids around him, it's seen as strange and, you know, makes him the weird outcast kid. Uh, then you have the father who runs a little shop online where he makes little trinkets and things like hats with, uh, you know, lights and pinwheels on them or little like gnomes that'll hold your cell phone and like bob up and down. <laughs> I thought he was a telemarketer. I didn't know he was an actual inventor. Yeah, he was creating that stuff uh, that because he was worse. selling it to <laughs> companies to like put into stores. That makes it worse, man. I thought he was a telemarketer working from home. <laughs> he created that stuff. Yeah, he, he created those useless items that he was trying to peddle off. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's what I mean, man. You got to make the most imperfect people in order to get sympathy. Right. And I, I love it. Uh, when he's introduced to Ron, he's, you know, best friend right out of the box. And he keeps stealing the sticker and putting it, like, on his face. You know, I am right. your best friend. Uh, dude, Zach Galifianakis killed that voice. Oh, yeah. He was, he was a perfect Ron, dude. See, I didn't even know it was Zach Galifianakis until I was looking it up yeah. afterwards. Um, like, when the credits yeah. started rolling, it was like, Zach Galifianakis is Ron. And I was like, hold on. And I had to like look it up online to confirm that you know it was the Zach Galifianakis, and it wasn't just somebody else named Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, he he knocked it out. I, I absolutely loved him as Ron. He had real personality as a robotic voice that was basically meant to take everything literally. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, dude, they're just a perfect odd couple. And you know what I like about this film? I like the interactions with other kids because it gives me more of a clue into how Barty is as a character. I like how, and and really, he's kind of like us as the surrogate audience member. You know, you see someone like Savannah who wants to be an aspiring vlogger. 
her her beatbox carries what follows her around recording her all day you got someone like rich who is like annoying who continually pranks people because he wants to be famous from his pranks and always his beatbox is always always recording him and his stupid friends you got uh ava who loves science and wants to start us and starts a science group that doesn't have that many followers but you know it's what she loves and um you know her bebop follows her around with that and i like how barney takes in all these people and um you know he himself is looking for a friend but it's like it looks like everybody doesn't have friends but it's kind of like in their own zone like everybody feels like they're they're the one that have friends other than barney but their friends aren't real their their likes and follows through their b-bots yeah it definitely takes the kind of trope of you know modern day uh media kind of social media uh dependency and it blows it up times a thousand and it feels right it doesn't even feel like you know these people are boxed into these roles because these are real roles that people feel like they need to be in it's the i'm the glamour i'm famous for being famous you know look at me on instagram or the people that are just pranking doing the stupidest things and being like oh it's a prank it's funny you know if i lose this i lose my personality this is all i have uh, you have the person that's just worried about being the top scorer on every game possible, you know, mm-hmm. and you have these personalities and the real personalities out there that people feel like if they can't make it on whatever the social media app is at that time, Instagram, TikTok's the new one that everybody's like clamoring to. If you can't make it on there, you're a nobody. So it's right. all about getting these views and these likes and everything like that. And this movie does that message in kind of a creative way. Man, I can't imagine what that would be like if, if we were in high school. I know I had I know I know when I was in high school we had Facebook and I think Twitter was just now just then starting to become kinda uh famous and kinda like uh not not famous but kinda popular. But the way it is now, man, with Instagram and TikTok and there's just so much pressure on these kids who get sucked in by social mm-hmm. media. It's sad, dude. Oh yeah. It's it I, I hate to be like I don't want to get on like my grandpa, you know, footstool here and be like, you kids and your technology. But it it is. It's insane how reliant on like being popular online has gone into like the psyche of kids now to the point that mm-hmm. like we have kids that feel like they're nothing because they only have like 100 followers on Instagram or something. And it's like. I couldn't imagine caring about that kind of thing. Like in my headspace, you know, it doesn't matter to me, but I know to them, this is everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter to us. Um, but what I was, what I would say is like, dude, I don't think these kids these days go outside anymore. Like, I don't think they go outside. I don't think they play basketball. I don't think they hang out at the mall like that. Mm-hmm. I, from, from time to time when I'm out with my wife at the mall, sometimes I see some kids hanging out but not as many as you used to when you were a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I can tell from that because one of the greatest insults I've ever heard while playing games online was, you need to go outside and touch grass. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I've never laughed so hard <laughs> while it trying to play. You? No, not toward me. This was somebody else like saying this. Like I wasn't mic'd up playing the game. This was somebody else telling somebody because they were like having this battle of, oh my God, you're not doing much. You need to go outside and touch grass. And I was reeling from that. (laughs) (laughs) You need to 
go outside and touch some grass. Oh, wow. Like, that's how you know these kids. Because, like, you look at the streamers online, too, on, on, on YouTube, and they're, um, mm. some of them are really into the game. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get them. And some of them make fun of the other people who are really into the game. Like, uh, it's like, dude, when's the last time you've seen sunlight? Yeah. <laughs> like, what a, come on, man. Wow. Yeah, I know, and I, I don't mean to sidetrack here, but I remember when Nickelodeon used to have this thing called Day of Play. Yes, where they would completely wipe the channel and it would just be that one thing saying, go outside and, you know, see the sun. Right, yeah. And some days I'd be like, uh, you know what? I'll wait this out. I know this ain't going to be long. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait out this whole message until they get back to uh, iCarly or SpongeBob. I'm not, right. I, I'm not going outside today. TV, you can't tell me what to do. Cartoon Network, what are you playing today? <laughs> you heard the story of when Cartoon Network uh, aired their ad on Nickelodeon? Yes. They- have you? I love that ad. I wish I would have seen that live. Uh, that was one of the things that somebody like posted online after the fact. And I right. was like, there's no way this is written. And then looking it up, it's like, this is real. It's like, damn, yeah. I would have loved to have seen that live. My child brain would have exploded seeing Edda and Eddie commercial on Nickelodeon. <laughs> Right, for sure. All right, back to the movie. Uh, so yeah, they they everybody kind of lives in their own bubble, which is kind of name of the company, which I thought was pretty clever mm-hmm. um, with their bebot. So with Ron, you know, Barney tries his best to try to get him to be like a um, a good bebot, and I, I love their relationship. Like it really feels like a genuine friendship. Like um, whoever played the kid, Jack D- Jack Dylan Gracer, he does a great job voicing Barney's laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like when he talks to Ron and he says, um, he says, uh, you know, uh, uh, only give me six feet when, when, uh, when, when you got to be within six feet when you're walking near me. And then Ron would say something funny and then Barney would be like, no, man, yeah. that's not what I mean. Yeah. Like, I like how he gave a natural laugh. Like, like, like Ron was like his actual buddy. Yeah. The best part is they definitely play with the trope of like the Ron takes everything literally kind of thing a little bit too far you know you need to be within six feet of me unless i'm having a bad day and then there's a time where uh ron starts wandering off and he goes what are you doing you're supposed to be within six feet of me not when you're having a bad day (laughs) Mm. yeah 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 i I love the board because another like moment of this is uh where barney is trying to make ron his best friend and you know just treating him as one of these buddies uh where they they don't have a personality or anything like that is like no you're supposed to be my best friend and you know then later realizing ron has a personality and going you know what no we need to be each other's best friend you know and it's like oh that's a cute message and then they kept playing with that and then all of a sudden i'm just sitting there cutting onions and i'm like yeah i gotta make these onions man it's just if i don't cut them now it's it's never gonna get done i gotta get through it i don't even know where i got the onions from i just yeah they just just appeared just some emotional scenes came up and i just i just started cutting them man um but uh, I love how <laughs> I love the first moment they fight where, um, you know, Barney was having a bad day and Ron was having a bad day. And Ron said, uh, I'm going to walk away because you're having a bad day. Yeah. He says, well, you, well, you know what? Fine. 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 <laughs> and then they just keep saying fine. And then you hear him like bump into one trash can and yeah. falls out on the street. 
<laughs> I love that, man. Oh, I also loved how when uh, he found out, you know, he's made to uh, make Barney friends. So he leaves the shed and to make Barney friends and, you know, is sharing his food, which is toast and sharing old photos of him and telling people to like it. And (laughs) basically he's bringing like the tropes of social media into the real life where this is Barney's breakfast. Do you like Barney's breakfast? (laughs) Right, right. Dude, I love that whole sequence out there in the playground. I love how he has he has um the motorcycle dude, uh the conspiracy was, uh, theorist motorcycle dude. The conspiracy theorist motorcycle dude. It was um it was the it was the old lady that just wanted to be left alone. Who was the third one? Uh there was the bird and then the baby. <laughs> oh, baby. and then there was the uh homeless guy. Was the baby. Oh, the homeless guy. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I like how he, he introduces the old lady like uh, she says she will be your friend if you just leave me alone. Because like, he's like, he's, he's like, maybe she I'll talking. do whatever you want. Just leave me alone. <laughs> and at first, my man was drinking some. I thought it was beer at first because I got a little worried because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, they bring in, they bring in beer into this movie. Because that scene is so zany. But I like how the afterthought, the principal was like. What are those uh, grown adults and the baby doing in the back, doing in the playground with artificial sweetener, uh, uh, Coke? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. But um, dude, I just love how everything cascades from that point in that one sequence. That um, Rich finds out uh, that Ron has no has all settings turned off. You know, like all safety, safety features. Yeah, all safety features turned off, and then he does it to his. And then his bumps into some other ones and they do it to everybody else's. And it just cascades and cascades to the point where Rich uh, creates like a monster out of all the B-Bots. Um, and uh, Homegirl, what's her name? Savannah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Savannah gets caught and, you know, gets pooped out. And then she becomes Poop Girl. And I love how just everyone kind of like, um, like falls from grace at that moment perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like and I, well, except for his, his his except for the science girl and, and um yeah except for the science girl, but everyone kind of falls from grace at that moment. You know, she becomes famous not for the reasons she wants, but because out of hum, out of humiliation. Yeah, she becomes viral for you know being pooped out of a giant robot thing. Right, Rich uh, realizes that he's gone too far. Um, my man Alex lost the game. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people fall from grace at that moment, including Barney, who was basically kicked out of the school. Yeah, he was expelled. <laughs> yeah, like the, the principal just goes, how do I say this nicely? Get out! He's <laughs> 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 like, get out! Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's just a perfect, uh, as they call it in script, in script uh, Dark Knight of Soul, dude. I love that sequence. But, um... Dude, that ending, man. I mean, what a climax. The climax really got me, dude. Oh, yeah. And um, the moment where they're, they're in the um, the main hive. And we got to talk about... The, the bubble HQ. The bubble HQ. And we got to talk about the uh, the creator and the COO soon. Because they, they're, they're, they're pretty funny. Uh, they're pretty funny foils to each other. Oh, but yeah. I like how... Yeah, I like how when Ron realizes, like, oh, we can give everybody a friend. We can change all the... Uh, b-bots to be like me and to be actual friends um and then i love it when it when it dawns on barney and ron's like uh but i'm gonna i i can't stay i i gotta go like i gotta upload myself in order to get this done and barney's like i don't understand he's like i have to go like i have to go mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, man, the onion started being cut at that moment because I was like, oh, no, but you're his friend. Yeah, it's almost like the ending of the Iron Giant where it's you stay, I go. (laughs) Yeah, man, and you listen, I didn't expect to be that. That's what I'm telling you, man. I didn't expect to be that attached to these characters, but I was just like, nah, man, Ron, don't leave. (laughs) Don't leave him, man. He needs you. (laughs) You're all he has. Right, because I really got upset, like, how this movie gonna do this to us, man? This dude just got a friend. But I like how in the at the end of the day, it gains him more friends that mm-hmm. he already had, uh, but just lost through time. Right, because it takes all these people out of these bubbles that they were in because of right. their uh, B-bots, their buddy bots. And as a result, he starts communicating with people again and talking with people and these old friends he has. So... Yeah, but at the same time, I love how it did that like emotional impact moment of, you know, yeah. he lost Ron. And then there wasn't this moment where Ron comes back into one of the B-bots or something, because a lot of movies stuck, would pull that. It stuck to its guns. I, I yeah. kind of I kind of do wish that 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 happened, though. <laughs> I kind of I did. I kind of wanted him to come off the assembly line like, here I am, Barney, within six feet. And I would have been like, yes. Yeah. That that didn't happen, and I was like, "All right, it stuck to its guns." I, I gotta appreciate that it stuck to its guns. For uh, yeah. most kids' movies, you don't see it do that. Typically, it you know will go around and be like, "No, I was fine the entire time." You know, even though I sacrificed everything, it really wasn't a sacrifice at all. This one, it was still a legitimate sacrifice. And it was a sacrifice that was not only, you know, for Barney, but it was a sacrifice for all the kids that had B-Bots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was um it was pretty emotional, man. But uh I like how in the end all the kids are kind of going through what Barney went through. And like when they come out of class, they go like, Oh man, what are they gonna do today? What crazy, mm-hmm. what crazy adventure they're gonna go on oh, today? Yeah. <laughs> And everybody that wasn't initially like matched to be friends based on the B-Bot's algorithms become friends. Mm-hmm. Like they become friends with the most unlikeliest of people. Like, hey, uh, I'm not matched with him. So what? And then the B-Bots start like high-fiving each other. And then the two kids start high-fiving each other. Like, I yeah. like that. Oh, and then you still have the one B-Bot that's running around throwing sticky notes on everybody. One friend added. New friend added. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I like, <laughs> I like the friend couch. I like that whole idea. Oh, the, the friendship bench, <laughs> the friendship bench. And I like how, uh, you know, Ron is, um, sitting with, uh, you know, Rich and Savannah and everybody now. And then the teacher comes about like, Oh, you know, Barney, you got friends. I'm sorry. Not Ron, Barney. Yeah, Barney. And it, yeah. And he's like, Oh, Barney, you got friends now. And then Barney just goes, and they all start making chicken noises. He's like. Okay, walking away, walking yeah. away. <laughs> He's got friends now. That's all that matters. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's really well done for that. Uh, but yeah, we need to talk about the people that work for Bubble, which is the COO and the creator of the B-Bot, um, which the creator of the B-Bot, uh, Mark Weidel, is mm-hmm. voiced by Justice Smith. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it either. Um, I, I I gotta admit, I don't know. I know who Justice Smith is from the get down and all that, but I don't recognize his voice that much. 
But when I looked it up, I said, oh, okay, it fits. Yeah. And Rob Delaney, his voice definitely fits for uh Oh, Rob Delaney was perfectly cast for Andrew Morris, the evil CEO or COO. Right. <laughs> I love how in the beginning, because this is such like a a Steve Jobsy thing to say if Steve Wozniak was the uh was the brainchild of Apple, where um where Mark was like, Yeah, we came up with bubble in my garage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Andrew, thank you. In, in, in your garage. garage. <laughs> <laughs> it says, in my garage. That's the only thing he said on stage. That yeah. was funny. Yeah, I love how it basically we have the COO of uh, Andrew Morris becomes more and more like comically evil throughout the movie. Like at yeah. first he's kind of like, we got to worry about, you know, the company and then it's, we got to worry about the profits and then it's, which is reasonable. Right. And then it just goes to, we need to, you know, make it. So this is the only thing anybody will ever need in their life. And they become fully dependent on it. So they'll never be able to grow away from it. And we'll have them for life. Life. And it's like, you are getting so comically evil, but at the same time, you're staying within the realms of reality with what CEOs and stuff really are aiming for. Here's the point where it hit reality for me. When he was straight up like, uh, he's like, I don't care about kids. I hate kids. Yeah. I'm testing them to see what they like and what they, so we could uh, make products that they'll want to buy next Christmas. And I'm like, there it is right there. Yeah. That is a businessman. There, there it is. That's that's. I thought that was a great line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when he changed it from uh, the B-bot is made to make friends to be your only friend, and it literally disconnects them from the network, so all they can see is themselves. So you have the one kid that's playing video games, and he's just racking up the high scores because he's the only one he's playing against. Uh, the <laughs> One girl that's streaming literally has zero viewers, but she's, you know, still streaming and stuff because there's nobody to stream to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He was playing against himself? Yeah. Oh, you didn't see it when they were doing the... This was toward the end when uh, Barney Uh, and Ron were in that one area and Ron's like, look, it's your not-not friends. (laughs) Oh, man. That line made me so mad, but it it was such a... It was such a rich thing to say. Yeah. Like, like he says, well, well we're not, not your friends. Right. I was like, this man almost died. Like, come <laughs> on, man. What are you doing? At least like, pretend but, for a minute. Come on. But listen, man, that's that real emotion. Like, mm-hmm. I think a rich in real life would say something like that. Well, we're not, not your friends, dude. Yeah. And he, he probably, he wouldn't see it as an insult. He would just see it as, come on, man. You yeah. Know? But yeah, I I loved yeah when Ron repeated it, it, it was funny. Look, you're not not friends. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This film has like I I think plot A is way stronger than plot B, but plot B is still pretty. It's pretty good. Like I, the plot B between Andrew and Mark for uh you know creative control over Bubble is cool, but plot mm. A is just way stronger and just has way more of an emotional hold on you right the the relationship between ron and barney is it's strong it it works out in this movie uh it's definitely one that it it subverts a lot of tropes that you would expect this movie to have Mm. 
mm-hmm. by being like, oh, look, it's going to be the perfect best friend. And it's like, no, they're they're learning from each other. You know, there's he's literally teaching this robot how to be his best friend while simultaneously learning how to be a good friend himself so he can meet new people and be friends with them. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds like a kid's movie. And then I'm over here chopping onions when Ron's uploading himself to the server to save the entire world of children. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it, dude. Like, um, yeah, the film, the film plays with your emotion really well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing the cover of the film, you think it's another big hero six, which I haven't seen, but I heard is a pretty solid movie. Oh yeah. But, uh, it, it, you know, it proves itself to be something that's, um, you know, just very real and, you know, very, uh, you know, very three dimensional. Yeah. Like when I first saw this movie and everything, I saw some people praising it. And I was like, OK, it's it's probably going to be fine. It's going to be a fine movie. It's based on the commercial or not the commercials, the trailers I saw for it. I was like, OK, it, it looks like a run of the mill. Don't fall to technology kind of movie. It's OK. It's, it looks like it's going to be fine. And it's like, OK, it's on Disney Plus. It's an easy one to watch. Let's pair it up with Mitchell's versus the machines. It could combat each other with that. And then I came out of it going, okay, that, that was a surprisingly good movie. I don't think that movie deserved to be as good as it was. Hey, same here. Those films fit so well together though. Like Ron and Mitchell's and the machines. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, man, this one, I don't know if I'm, I'll go with my gut. I get, I give this five out of five. It, this one, it, it's yeah, it's a five out of five. It's I, I can't think of anything that's really wrong with this one. Yeah, I, I I was trying to while we were talking. I was like, okay, okay, it had the tropes, but those tropes weren't bad. Those those tropes worked for the movie. Yeah, it it used the tropes to its benefit. It wasn't you know every movie has tropes, but how far does it fall into them, and does it do anything with them? And this hey. movie does stuff with those tropes. And you know what I liked? I liked how Savannah didn't become the girlfriend. I liked how... Cause yeah, it, there was no it, love it, interest. There was no... This was just about friends. It looked like he was leaning that way at first. I was like, oh, well, okay. And why not give him the hot girl as a girlfriend? But it's like, no, she's a sincere friend. I almost thought it was going to be like he becomes friends with Savannah, but he low-key goes for Ava, the science girl. But mm-hmm. they even go that way. And I was like, okay. That's keeping it. That's keeping it honest. Okay. Yeah. That was true to Barney's character. He's not looking for a girlfriend right now. He's just looking for a friend. Yeah. He just needed friends. He needed people in his life that he could relate to and interact with. Because yeah. up until this point, he had his father, who is busy working selling his stupid inventions to people in China overseas, and then his grandmother, who is very old school Russian. <laughs> Yeah, kind of sounds like Coraline. Coraline didn't really have any friends. Yeah, a little bit. We watched Coraline. I know, I know. I forgot. I forgot. We did watch Coraline. Um, Well, she just had that weird kid next door. But like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, man, this film had a lot of heart, man. A lot of heart. Uh, If I got to say what wins out, well, obviously for me, Ron's Ron's gone wrong. Mitchell's versus Machines, it didn't, you know, there weren't no, I didn't chop any onions during that movie. I loved it, 
but Ron's Gone Wrong had more of an emotional pitch to me. Oh, see, I had one moment where I was chopping onions with uh, Mitchells versus the Machines, and that's when she was going back with the camera and the moose and everything like that. Uh, what's what, what scene? Uh, after the parents had been captured by the robots, and they were like the kids were on their own, and she was going through the the footage on her camera and stuff, and found the oh yeah yeah that like was the a, moose that was a nice and stuff. Scene. Yeah, that that one had me chopping onions a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that it, when it comes to these two movies, I, they're both winners. Um, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Nah, this is DFV. <laughs> you got to pick one. Um, I'm going to have to go with Mitchells versus the Machines. I That one is okay. just, it, it's a full-on movie. That's one that I'll probably throw it on in the background again at some point in the future, uh, considering this is now, I think, the third time that I've watched that movie since it came out. Mm, so it's okay. it, it's definitely one that I hold into my pocket of best movies or top movies out there. Yeah, it definitely is one of a kind. I'll, I'll give it that. It, it's a very, it's a very good animation. Oh yeah, film. <laughs> I can't, dude. I can't believe I asked you. Hey, have you seen Coraline? Yeah, <laughs> we talked about it. Oh my god, that we talked. About. It was through you. I saw it for the first time. I know. I'm the one that was pestering you to watch it, and was eventually like, "No, we're just doing it for an episode. We're doing Coraline in an episode to make you watch this." <laughs> Right, and we watched that with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Yes. Yeah, I know you still didn't like that, but at the same time, I at least got you to finally watch Coraline, so I count it as a victory. Right, right. Um, All right, there it is. You seen anything lately? Um, I did finish Atlanta. So I finished Mm. watching the last two episodes of Atlanta, and... That last episode was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah. Have uh, you seen a, Have you seen a film called Amelie or Amelie? Uh, I don't think so. It's not striking memory. Was that a recent one? No, that's from the two thousands. But that that episode is kind of like an homage to it. Like there's, okay. there's a French comedy called Amelie. Um, that that episode with Van and uh, you know her being having a French accent and stuff was kind of like an homage to that film. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a really classic movie. But yeah, man, I love the way it ended. Oh, yeah. Um, Even with that weird cliffhanger showing the picture of the guy from those, like, uh, kind of... Anthology episodes? Yeah, the anthology episodes. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah, that is weird. Because they're saying that that's like the... uh, Because they're saying, like, those episodes are kind of like dreams of Urn. And that's kind of like white Urn in that Mm. world. But um, I don't know. Like, that's kind of like a thing that's kind of up in the air, ambiguous. Yeah, I was reading Uh, what some people thought it was, but it it seems like Donald Glover hasn't made a statement on any of what it means. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, because even when people were like, were those, like, dreams of Earn or were those, like, things that are going on in the U.S. while Earn's over in, you know... uh, in Europe doing this stuff. And Donald Glover just said that it'll become clear in the future. In the, in the next, in the next season. I assume he means in the next season because it it definitely didn't clear up this season. And this was prior to the season finale when he was saying that, you know, the first episode with the young boy and, and the crazy, um, you know, uh, white mothers, uh, white adoptive mothers, you know, that was based on a real story. 
but the kids died in real life. I knew that it was based on a real story, but I didn't remember the details from it. Yeah, like I, it took that episode to give me a look that up and said, man, that was a crazy, crazy opening episode. But then I figured out that 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 was based off the Hart family murders where they drove them and the kids off a bridge. Whereas in the episode, kids escaped. Yeah, uh, dude, I just I love that one scene where the in um, this is how it is with some black folks. Well, this can be human human nature as well. The, the kid just looks over at the other kids like and we in the subtitles are like yeah, we about to die. Oh yeah, like you don't think I? It's like yeah, you don't think we know that? And then one kid is like sweet release, and another kid's like, <laughs> man, my hair itches. <laughs> <laughs> Love that scene, dude. Yeah, yeah. man. It, it, um, the whole season as a, I, I loved it. It's so great. Uh, seeing Earn and Paperboy and uh, I'm trying to remember Lakeith Stanfield's character's name, Alfred. Yeah, Alfred. I mean, uh, uh, no. no, Darius. 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 That's it. Um, seeing their like adventures going through Europe are great. I absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, I I know a gripe some people have with it. I was fine with it because I know that I like I like Donald Glover's experimental style with with uh storytelling. I like that. I like that with the album he came out with called Because the Internet that was inter- interspersed with a screenplay. I like his experimental style of storytelling, but some people were like, man, we didn't get enough of them in Britain. Like, what's up with all these anthology episodes? Like, I wanted to see, I know somebody was like, man, we waited five years for this. Like, you know, like. like see, I could know. see some people being disappointed in it. Um, yeah. I'm kind of glad I didn't do a rewatch of season one and two because this is such a shift yeah, from you season been one like, and two. Wow, I'm not spending that much time with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I can see some people are later going to binge this series and they're going to get to this season and be like, what the hell was that? That was that was in Atlanta. Yeah, I'll say this, dude. It, it didn't it didn't it did not come short of great TV. It definitely did push boundaries. Now, mm-hmm. I think most episodes work better than others. I love the reparations episode. Um, I love the episode with the kid who had the the black dad with the white mom. But tried to pose as white until my man came and was like, uh, I'll give a scholarship to anybody who can prove to me their blackness. Yeah. And you go, Oh shoot. I so basically all the anthology episodes. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Well, what I'm, no, no, I am talking about all the anthology okay, episodes. Yeah. I'm talking about like, um, I think more of them hit stronger than uh, some hit stronger than others. Like the one about the Trinidad, um, uh, nanny, like mm-hmm. that was just a straightforward, like, like heartwarming episode. Like you keep waiting for the ball to drop. Like at some point, like they're in, the yeah, you're expecting some kind of twist, but there's right. no twist. It was just, this was a really nice, you know, older lady that was babysitting people and kind of sharing her life experiences with those children. She was babysitting. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much a straightforward episode. Now I, I, I think that one hit hard. I think that one hit hard less than the other anthology episodes, but I thought a lot of them were pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was I about to say, dude? Uh, I was about to tell you something. Um, did you know that was? Did you know that was Chet Hanks in that uh, in that episode? Um, the the Trinidad one. That was no. Tom Hanks' son, not Colin Hanks. The other one, the 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 other one that people don't like. I was not aware. Yeah, that because um he was talking to them and they said, "Are you Creole? Like, like you seem like you has have like a New Orleans Creole slang." He says, 
Nah, everyone says that. Chad Hanks ain't Creole, man. Tom Hanks yeah. is his dad. He's not Creole. No. <laughs> but, but you know, that's kind of how that's kind of his character in real life. But um, yeah, and I um dude, I gotta admit, man, that Liam Neeson scene, it it was great satire, yeah, but it kind of it kind of made me a little mad, like like that, 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 like, because it starts off like I could tell the, the first part of it was really Liam, mm-hmm. like him saying, Man, I shouldn't have said that thing I said. And then, uh, Paperboy's like, Dude, I'm just glad you don't like, I'm just glad that you, uh, you don't hate black people. I can't stand y'all. Y'all tried to ruin my career. <laughs> but you know what? It's such a real thing where, like, it- when some group of people is like, no, we're going to cancel you because you made this weird off common thing. And it's like, well, now this is becoming real hatred because you're literally trying to ruin this person's life. Right. And, uh, and here, oh, here was the gut punch. Well, I like before then he was like, uh, well, until then, you and I are uh, mortal enemies. And yeah. the paper boy's like, wait a minute, man. Didn't you learn your lesson? He says, yeah, but, you know, thing about being white is it doesn't matter if you learned the lesson or not. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like that gut punched me so much. I was like, oh, my goodness, there's there's truth in that. That's why that that line hurts. Oh, yeah. I think the perfect way of doing that was having Liam Neeson as that role, too. Yeah, I'm surprised he took it. Um, yeah, but I, I, I liked it. I like I like a lot of surprises. I like Alex. I like how Alexander Skarsgård comes out of nowhere. Oh, in, in the, the last episode. Yeah, right. That was weird. It was really weird they were serving human, human hands. hands. That made no sense. Uh, I do like when uh, at the end of the episode when he comes out and is like, okay, where are those hands at? I'm hungry. <laughs> you could tell he was having a fun time. Oh, yeah. He was having a blast with that role. Don't you dare degrade me in front of people. You. She <laughs> smacks him and they cut to him. They cut. They was on that scene a little too much when he was in the bathroom jerking off. They was on, they was they was leaning on that a little too much. But I, I, was, I was cracking up at it. So I'm kind of glad that it lasted long enough for me to get the laughter out before I went to the next scene because I would have had to go back and like <laughs> rewatch an entire scene after that because I would have still been just shift. rolling. Right, right. Uh, but you know. Uh, uh, it's, it's easy to say, man. I can't wait for season four, the last season. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I've it, no notes. Just give me more. <laughs> yeah, because I really feel like when it's all said and done, this this is like a really great show. Like it really oh, yeah. does push the boundaries of network television. Um, like I said, it it succeeds more than it fails. Um, but uh, I, I like it. I really I like that I watched it all in one go. Because I think mm-hmm. if I watched this week by week, I would. I like the anthology episodes, but I would have been a little thrown off. Like, oh, man, where's Earn and Paperboy this episode? Yeah, it, it was a little bit jarring, but yeah. each of the anthology episodes has something to love about them. Absolutely. Like, it, it, yeah. whether it's based on something of reality or based on what people think is going to happen or based on just something that could happen. It, it, all of them are kind of... It, they're they have weight to them regardless of what the central focus was. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, um, I finally finished Ozark. So, uh, I still need ended. to watch that one. I, I got through season one. I still need to get further into it. That's what I, that's where I was at until a few weeks ago when I finally started getting into it. Uh, ended pretty well, pretty, pretty, uh, 
well done ending a little polarizing the ending but uh it, it fit um i okay i watched atlanta ozark i finally there was something i finished that i meant to tell you about it wasn't snowfall it was um better call saw yeah i i caught up to better call saw. i think we talked about that last week we talked about it over text oh we talked about oh that's right yeah. we talked about it over text yeah, I'm uh, excited to see what these next few episodes are, man. Uh, I'm excited. I really want them to cut back to present day on what happens between him and that guy, that cab driver. It, I, I need to know what happens. They're going to show us the Gene timeline again. They, Of course they will. Uh, Gene. Gene's his name in the... That's what his name tag is in his new personality. Oh, yeah, I know they're going to show it to us. I just want to see what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of hoping... So it, there's two scenarios that it's going to be. It's either going to be the mid-season finale or the mid-season after break is going to start off with the Gene thing, or they're going to wait until the very last episode to start off with a Gene moment. It's best to wait until the last episode. I, I almost think it is. I kind of almost want it to be like That's half bad. of a Gene episode and half of a lead into Breaking Bad episode. Let's wrap up Lalo and Kim and Saul and what happened there, and uh, you know what, 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 how Gus is going to get out of this because we know he, we know he's going to survive. Yeah. Um, and let's wrap that up, and then let's get into the Gene timeline because uh, I feel like that would be a great, like I really feel like um, El Camino is a great epilogue to Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, because you know, we because we see what happens to Jesse. I feel like it's a great. Great epilogue to that terrific series, and I feel like the Gene timeline will be a great epilogue to this series. Yes. Yeah, because right now, the things that we are guaranteed because of Breaking Bad is we know Saul is going to live, we know Gus is going to live, and we know Mike is going to live. We know Lalo has to die, and that that's about it. Everything else yeah. is kind of up in the air. It is, and that's the, that's the trouble with uh, preludes. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, prequels. Prelude. Prequels. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Prequels. That's the trouble with prequels because you're like, well, if this is a show where there's stakes involved, it's like kind of I kind of know what's going to happen. But I like how you got enough characters in this world that you care about, um, that you you want to see where this goes with Kim, Lalo, Howard, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, J Jimmy's brother, Chuck. That you're like, okay, I wonder what happens to these people, you know, and it, it carries more emotional heft when, um, you know, sad, unfortunate things happen to them. Right. But at the same time, it's, we know that Lalo is going to die and Mike is going to live, but what can M Lalo do to Mike to hurt him, to put more context into Breaking Bad and the way that Mike acts? Because even in this show. He's already there. Mike is already there, dog. Well, in this show, we saw Mike make that step into who he is in Breaking Bad, where he had to uh, kill the one German scientist. Yeah, he really didn't want to do and that. And he didn't want to do it, and it, it shows his path to becoming who he is in Breaking Bad, where he's a little bit more, I, I don't want to say emotionless, but emotionless to those kind of circumstances. Like, even when he's talking to Walton, he's like, no, I really don't want to do this, but I have to. And it's like it puts more context into that scene where it's like he really doesn't want to do it. But at the same time, he knows the people he's with and the people he works for. He has to do it. 
even with my man and uh this is kind of late in the game folks but you know spoiler alerts you know if you don't know where you at uh this is dfv <laughs> um my man uh what's his name uh the the guy that uh he went out on his own terms oh nacho nacho yeah uh even with that you know you see he was saddened by that you know what i mean um even though it was better for him because uh yeah he would have yeah, he would have been tortured bro it's, there's no doubt about it oh yeah i love i love that shot where my man is like listen you're gonna die today but there are good uh easy painless ways to die and there are very painful ways to die and i love that shot of all the tools and stuff like dude the directing of better call saw and breaking bad is just always top notch oh vince is a master of his craft is yeah. what it is he's he absolutely knows what he wants and he'll take the time to make sure he gets those shots exactly as they need to be. Yeah. And he dude, probably the best episode of Better Call Saul this far, uh Bagman. That was a very like intense uh tough episode for him to film. Mm-hmm. But it, it looks so seamless when you watch it. Like like you could tell this man takes crap. He takes uh he takes great pride in what he does takes great pride and he um he uses great craft in his directing as well as his writing you know what i mean yeah, oh, yeah. for sure uh but that's it from us guys uh if you would be so kindly like share and subscribe engage with us you know let us know what you like let's what film do you think wins out in this you know let let us know um yeah you, let uh, anthony know that he's wrong and it was uh the mitchells versus the machines Look, man, we're going to call this episode Brad's Gone Wrong. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. It, 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 uh, y'all watching, can you honestly tell me with all the emotion that Ron's gone wrong through at you, you honestly tell me that's a less better film than Mitchell's versus the Machines? Come yeah, on. what am I going to do with all these onions I cut up during that movie? You know, yeah. th- this is enough onions to last me the rest of the year. Where am I supposed to store that? All right, y'all. We'll talk to you later. Follow us on IG and Twitter at uh, Double Feature VS. We can find us on Facebook at uh, Double Feature uh, Semicolon. Is it colon or semicolon? Uh, for the colon, right? for the Facebook, it's Double Feature colon versus, right? Uh, I think it's just Double Feature versus. I don't think there's a colon. I think there's a colon, but we'll find. We'll have it in the in the description. All right, y'all take care.